In this episode, I speak with Ryan Mendonca, head men's soccer coach at Windsor University, and he shares the process of developing a program from the bottom up. His focus has been culture building, and he has some great ideas and tactics that he's used. He also talks about the dynamic of coaching with his brother, who coaches the women's program. This and so much more. You're going to enjoy this one. Thanks for listening. Hey, this is Kieran, Coach's Corner. Chats and on the podcast today, I have Ryan Mendonca. Ryan, where are you at and what are you up to? <laughs> well, uh, you know, I think you had to talk to my brother, you know, a few weeks ago. So, uh, you know, uh, located in Ontario, I actually personally live just outside of uh, Windsor in Tecumseh, Ontario. My wife and I just uh, bought our first house together out here. So uh, about 10, 15 minute drive from uh, uh university so it keeps me close to home and uh what am i up to well you know i i uh i work you know luckily uh full-time in football so i get to uh have a balance between you know the university of windsor uh where i'm the men's you know soccer coach there and uh and i'm the sporting director of a club uh soccer club or a high performance club in ontario so uh you know a year into the the, the pandemic I've learned a lot more about health and safety and logistics and mitigating risk and, and all those things than I ever thought I would, but happy to be back out on the field right now. And the sun is shining. The sun was shining this weekend. So, so it's, uh, you know, exciting to be out there. And how long have you been uh, the head coach there at Windsor? So this is, this is year three. Um, you know, I've been uh, two seasons and, uh, and, and a pandemic is how long I've been there. So, uh, yeah, so this is my third year, finishing my third year, going into my fourth. Do you feel like now, getting into that third, fourth year, that you're starting to find your niche and kind of build the program that you you want there at Windsor? Yeah. So when we when we um, when we came in, it was I got hired late in the cycle, um, meaning like in April. Meaning my recruiting class was kind of already in. Uh, one of my first tasks was to call every recruit and to make sure we retain them, you know, uh, <clears throat> getting an understanding of, you know, scholar, what was promised to them via scholarship over their expectations. You know, luckily, <clears throat> I think part of the, the role that, part of my role or reason why it was an advantage, why I got the hire or why they sought me out at that time was, uh, was because uh, I had a connection with a lot of the men's youth in the city and I knew a lot of the players incoming and they knew, they knew me or, or, or if they hadn't been coached by me, of me, I guess, would be the best way to, to say it. Um, but yeah, like we three-step plan, it was, you know, first year was change the way we think. Uh, second year was change the way we act. And then this year was about change the way we play. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get to change the way we play. We didn't play. And training's been uh, a start and stop. But I really think we've gained a good grasp of where we want to be foundation-wise for the culture of our program. I think there's steps forward we have to take in terms of compete level and where we see our championship vision at. Um, but we all understand our starting point now. So we're at uh, a better place to take steps forward together, I think players and, and staff. 
So you, for that first step, that initial year, what were some of the things that you, you wanted to make sure that you put into place for your program? I mean, the, the, the number one thing I started with was just, you know, was, was, was about listening. You know, the, the number one step that I think the most valuable piece of advice I ever read or, or take was, and it's, it's not, I have to remind myself of this sometimes, is be, be the last to speak in a room or in a group, you know, um, that sometimes you can learn a lot more from listening and not only to what people say, but how they say it or how they interact and how people are jockeying social status or they're going after the hierarchy in a conversation, you know, and the wisest people in the room oftentimes speak last. So um, not that I'm the wisest, but I could try to act like the wisest and speak last. Uh, so I think it was listening to alumni that I knew uh, from the program and the current players about what they want and where their goals are. Uh, the first thing I did was um, my first act as, as, as head coach was uh, in our first meeting was uh, did a lot of small group sessions and, and brought on uh, you know, what, are, what we saw as what we thought our goals should be for the summer, what we thought uh, our, our needs, wants, and desires were for preseason, during season, and postseason. And I do a lot of group exercises like that like you would do at like a workshop or a coaching workshop. I just mm -hmm. steal right from there because I find them insightful. Break into groups of five, discuss it, put it on a flip chart paper, come back and we put it up on the board and they present and it share your ideas with the group. So we did that and you know I took notes based on that. Um, and you'd be surprised at how little athletes want or the things they want. You know, um, they're not asking for private jets to fly around the little team dynamics they want or where they see gaps are. It's like listening was big. And then in that meeting, the number one thing I did was uh, we started our like uh, Lancer men's soccer book club. So we started reading the culture code by Daniel Coyle. I don't know if you're familiar with that, yes, but I am. he wrote, he wrote the talent code and yep. um, I felt like, or they felt like um, before I was hired, the, the culture was a little bit broken and actually the person they hired before me, got brought in because he was a little bit more old school disciplinarian approach to culture than me. I'm a little bit longer term, different approach, uh, a little bit more uh, like softer side of things, like a little bit more man management. I'll be a little bit more patient. You know, I, I want the payoff in the, in, in the long term. I'll, I'll eat shit, so to speak in the short term sometimes uh, to work through a problem. You know um, <clears throat> my ego is oftentimes at the far back of a situation you know, and I have thick skin, so I'm willing to work through things. So um, yeah, we, we started reading the culture code, which was like, I didn't even understand what I was doing when I did it. But think about this, if you get a bunch of, if you have a group of 25 or 30 men, and you put them in groups of five, and have them talk about the way successful organizations are running culture, and have them learn <clears throat> the added benefit of this is you start seeing that their cooperative behaviors in the groups start reflecting what they're reading. So I started to get like a multi-level layer of, of learning and really laying the groundwork for the culture. And actually, because we've had so many players now come in that are, you know, didn't experience that this year on the roster, our leaders suggested that maybe we do that again, do a refresher course on the culture code yeah. and uh, make it mandatory reading. Then we, after that, we did um, the same with Legacy, the book about the All Blacks. Yes. Um, and then uh, uh, 
we have our, our leaders have, have some different books. So we do the same thing. And, and it's, again, I just looked at like that, uh, you know, that, you know, I always use the phrase like the Mr. Miyagi terms of like ways of, you know, how you can uh, teach them something without thinking they're learning. And it's like, so it, uh, that, so the biggest thing was <clears throat> we sat with our, our men first was, and I know it sounds cliche was um, like showing vulnerability and opening up within, within our program. And in order to do that, you know, uh, it was redefining toughness. Um, you know, toughness uh, is the ability to, you know, share or open up when you're uh, suffering. Toughness is, isn't the ability to like retaliate on the field or to whine to the ref. Toughness is the ability to play through it. You know, what toughness is the ability to stand up for your teammate, even though maybe off the field, you've been having some beef. You're still going to have his back when we battle or in training, you're still going to treat him like a teammate. Toughness is the ability to, to stand up and push through when things aren't going your way um, and not just react and lash out. And uh, I think that was big for us and really focusing on um, a Lancer mentality. And, you know, every, every program has an acronym, but for us, the L was about love and account, uh, love and sacrifice for each other. And uh, the A was about, you know, accountability and attitude. And that's kind of where we focused um, our first two years was about, you know, love and sacrifice for one each one another, what it really means. And, uh, and uh, you know, the A was for accountability and attitude and, and what it really means to be accountable and responsible to one another. So, The cool thing that I love about this is one, you brought ownership to everyone. Like you clearly said, look, we're all in this together. So we'll break you up into pods, but your informa the information they share with you, like you just talked about earlier about listening, like that's completely backwards to what most coaches are like. Most coaches come up and go, I'm the expert. I'll tell you what to do. Um, maybe like the previous coach. And uh, we don't get as much input. Like you said, the kids aren't looking for a whole lot, but they are looking for being respected by their coach and, and you know, their needs being met. Um, and the, the other thing that I love about this is I haven't heard anything about we had to fix their tactics or we had to fix their technical or we had, this was this was, and this is something I learned with my first year of high school this past fall was I, when I first started was going, oh, we're going to play this formation. We're going to do this. We're going to bet out of the back. And then when I got into the mix, I was like, oh, that's not even like anywhere close. That's like a small snippet of what I need to take care yeah. of. There's so much relationship building and all that type of stuff. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, you know, just to your going, like usually the coach is the expert. I think the first, the first, uh, in my first you know, monologue to the players was because I was an assistant coach for, for a long time and uh, the program had helped out and, and been a goalkeeper coach, been assistant with the women, been assistant with the men. And, you know, my first phrase to the players was, you know, uh, assistant coaches talk a lot of shit, you know, um, because it's really easy being an assistant. You can think, you know, oh, we should have done this or we should do this or this guy should play. Of course, of course, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. But um, when you're the head coach, well, we're going to find out. And, uh, you know, what I, I was really fortunate, the group of uh, veterans who stayed on either came back for a fifth year, you know, Canada, our senior years, our fifth year, um, or a couple transfers I had come in from the college really bought in. We brought in like five, that first year, five players, five additional players to the recruiting class who were transfers or who decided to come back, who I had. I'd actually coached them or been an assistant when they were coaching before. Kieran, they, um, 
they supported me so much. Um, even when they knew I, when I had screwed up, they, to have a set of veterans as a, as a young coach, probably, um, you know, 10 years or almost 10 years younger than any coach in my, in the conference to have a young coach who kind of got thrust in a job late to have a group of seniors have your back. Like those guys could have been like, whatever, this is the third coach I've had in three years. I'm done to have my back and to, uh, help me lay the groundwork. I think I'm forever thankful to those guys um, because, you know, uh, they didn't have to believe in what I'm doing or buy in. They didn't like the cultural change didn't benefit them. Right. Like they're like year one, you know, <clears throat> yeah, we made the playoffs. And to be honest, had we like, we lost in a shootout, had we not lost that shootout teams were scared to play us. We came on really strong at the end of the year and teams were getting scared to play us. Um, and we just found the right, mix of old and young and um yeah i'm forever thankful and, and then you know the second layer of gratitude is you know the, the players i have who came in that year who are our core leaders now you know they're growing up and i'm growing up in different ways you know I, i'm uh i always feel like in life people get promoted before they're ready it happens in every organization you know in business and stuff it's like oh you're the top this so you okay now you're you're the top sales guy you're in management now you're the top this now you're you know like and uh so yeah so as i'm growing into the position you know i'm very fortunate to have there's guys who have come in who are in their third year going into their fourth as athletes just like me and they've really bought in and we have a shared accountability that you know we're we're all going to make mistakes and and i haven't been afraid to sit down and been like guys i got that one wrong i should have dealt with this issue different I shouldn't, I shouldn't have whatever. Um, Cause I think leadership starts from the top. You gotta be an example. You know, it starts with, you know, I know I'm not perfect far from it. So, but, uh, but, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna address those, those mistakes as they come and not be afraid of them, not just sweep them under the rug. The cool thing that I, I love hearing is that earlier you talked about them and their groups where, where they were getting more open with their vulnerability about and then having you as that role model before in front of them saying look man on that play or on this session or whatever i should have gone a different direction i think is huge for young men to kind of link into the other thing that i love about again as a coach is i don't think coaches give give enough props to their players you know they make the program and for you to come out and honestly say look that first group supported me had me picked me up when I was down like that is that's that's like a huge thing that you don't hear a whole lot of coaches say um and the other thing that really was hard for me to wrap my head around is they literally jumped in at the opportunity to read <laughs> which I know like the idea of reading a book um how, how did that I mean how did that how did that kind of like dynamic kind of work about or was that something one of the players the players kind of came about and said look we need something to kind of grasp onto no it's um it kind of like I, I come up with some quirky stuff or not quirky but different stuff and and um you know it just came to me one time and uh and I know other coaches are, are doing it a lot now I'll say over the last five years the stuff that I was really in into five years ago is getting more mainstream now. And I'm so happy for that. Mm -hmm. You know, this isn't as crazy an idea in 21, 2021 as it 
might have felt like in 2016. You know, uh, not that it was crazy back then, but I think the content, you know, uh, I send a huge thank you to Daniel Coyle in, in, in that it's written well. It's written in entertaining snippets. I don't know if you've read it, but it's really broken up into cool little chapters and, and, um, and it dives right in. Um, so I think picking the right t topic, I mean, having the like, reading war and peace and a big thick book doesn't, wouldn't have worked. Um, but we did, you know, <clears throat> break it in sections. And then in the summer we were only able to do, you know, conference calls. We weren't able to get everybody in person, but then we, we did a mini camp in the July before the season. And that's when we got almost all the way through the book and um, when they presented. And I think when they had a shared accountability to each other, you know, um, I know not everybody read it word for word. I mean, we all went to high school and college and we know exactly what the difference between skimming and reading. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, but, you know, audiobooks make it possible too. A lot of guys, like they said, I just listen to it on the way to, to and from work every day in my car. And uh, yeah, it was um, guys bought in because they saw it started to be relevant. Right. We do a lot of team culture discussions um, that maybe that aren't soccer related. You know, like one of my favorites was, I don't know if you remember when Jimmy, Jimmy Butler wanted out of Minnesota, he wanted to be traded in the NBA mm -hmm. and he, he, he had a practice and he got all the, the, sec, the second stringers or third stringers on, on his team at practice and he scrimmaged the starters and he beat them and he walked out of the gym and was yelling at the GM, you need me, you need me. It was all in the news. And, you know, that, that week we, you know, we have a weekly team meeting where usually we do some sort of team building or culture, whatever the topic was that, and a group had to be, what would you do if you were the player? What would you do if you were the other players? What would you, how would you handle this? If you were the GM, how would you handle this? If you were the coach to get them kind of thinking about how these, all these events, like how we respond to these events. I'm not saying that one moment defines the season, but how we respond to one moment can define a season. And if we do it the right way, that can be the, the energy that pushes us over the top, or it can be the energy that pushes, pushes us over the edge in a bad way. And, and, and um, you know, uh, we got to keep that in mind. And when our moment comes or when the opportunity comes, hopefully we've, we're able to think it through and attack it together in a good way. How did you see, so everybody hears like the culture building and all this like good stuff and guys are buying in. How did you see that impacting what was going on on the field? Well, I mean, the first year was tough. I'll be honest. If there was one way to describe a lot of the players, a lot of the seniors we had our first year would have been ego. Um, past reports on those guys would have been like hard to coach, hard to talk to. And so people didn't think, especially some of the guys I had to stay back a senior year, like they said, he's got nothing to play for. Why would he like, it's going to be dangerous bringing in that transfer from the college. He's going to be, so I had to, mix all these hot tempers and together and it really helped because you know during the week the talk was about these issues and it really kind of again got the focus off the incident on field but then they started to see how it was applicable on field you know um one thing we did for example you know you've uh um was our first road trip we did our game we had the players do the game analysis of their games we always do analysis of the opponent, but in year one, we didn't do any analysis, uh, an abundance of analysis of ourselves. Cause I think it's really tough in a short season, unless there's a significant issue. A lot of times game film of past games is just highlighting people's mistakes and then dwelling on them. 
in, 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 in men's and women's soccer. I mean, I coach girls soccer uh, at a youth level and have assisted with the women. Highlighting people's mistakes doesn't frequently go well unless we have the trust to discuss how to fix them. So we actually had them do their own film analysis and you watch these guys try to navigate around not hammering someone for their mistakes. Cause in the heat of the moment, it's easy to blame someone on the field. Right. Mm -hmm. But where we got to was, you know, that was pretty magical. And then after our two road trips, we played a game at home against Laurier and we tied one, uh, one, one or nil, nil. And it was a rainy night and it was a very heated game. And it wasn't the result we were looking for, but one of our, one of our veterans, you know, like the incredible thankful for uh, Jamar Redhead. We had, we had our meeting in the training room after because we had a quick turnaround. So guys were already ice bath, stuff like that. So we did, we have what we're called after action reviews. It's something from the culture code. It's a Navy SEAL tactic where after a game, the players lead the debrief, not the coach. So it's a Navy SEAL tactic where they talk about what happened in battle. It's called AAR after action review. We were doing our AAR and Jamar said, you know what, guys, this is the first time in my five years as a Lancer that nobody yelled at each other on the field in a negative way. We didn't bring that negativity on the field in a negative way. We got on each other. We pushed each other, but there was no bickering. And that's when I knew it was impacting. When a player not only can recognize, like not only are we not bickering, but they recognize that we're moving forward together. That when a mistake happens in a game, we're working through it, you know, and uh, that's where we've gotten, you know, um, some would argue right now, maybe we're, we're too nice of a culture, but I'd rather be starting here than where we were three years ago. And because I don't think it's too nice. We have a culture. I just think we're right now um, uh, a little bit naive on the compete level we need now. That's going to be required to take the next step. So. Is so the one thing that I love about this, too, is um, it seems like everybody that is uh, all the people that have ownership in this from players to staff. Um, all know that this is a process that we're building towards something. So it's not a, cause we battled this nowadays with the, all I gotta do is click one button on my phone and I have instant access to whatever. Um, so is patience one of those things that you have to continually just kind of like, even for yourself and for your players, keep repeat, like, look, we're building towards something. And I think the fact that you said earlier, it's so big for like seniors and those that know, maybe I'm not going to reap the benefits now, but I know that in four or five years down the road, you're going to comment back to how great that group was, that first group that came through and how they were kind of an impetus for where you're at. Yeah, I think that, um, I think you have to separate success from the result. So, so I think, and the reason I've focused so much on that, if you help the athletes do that, you can help them achieve success. So I, somebody told me that before I took this job, when I was asking my mentors who coach at universities around the U.S., and I won't say who said this one, but he said, Ryan, unless you're prepared to lose every game, don't take the job. You know, because I kind of, you know, I kind of thought that I, this wasn't job going to become available. So I kind of said, unless you're prepared to lose every game. And then if you lose every game, what, do you, what, is, what defines success for you? I was like, ooh, and that sent me down a rabbit hole one weekend, right? Because that's a question. Wow. Okay. And then, you know, then you start thinking about 
you know, I could be here 25 years and never win a championship. I mean, I could do a really good job. I could never, only one guy gets to win. Historically, Windsor hasn't won in the last 25 years. So what, what, what am I going to, like, how, how, how self-centered is it to think that I'm the guy in the next 25 years to win? You know, now I'm going to put this pre, so it doesn't, people don't think I'm, I'm also the guy that is not allowed to play games at family events because I'm too competitive. So, so when I come to culture building, I, right, I, it I start from a point of too competitive and I go with this thing and the, right, this is what, how, wow, what's success, if I don't ever win, and that just drives me crazy. And, and I think that um, being able to define success for the players and getting them to understand how we can have a good performance and lose and how we can have a bad performance and win and be focusing on working towards positive performance in training every day and in, in game. I mean, I would say training becomes more of our focus. Um, the game is just kind of part of our process. When you start doing that, I think that's where, that's what's helped us. Um, also, we, we've, we've done a lot of journaling as a group, which helps helps you put players in the moment. So something you have to be really uh, not into, but we bring on the road trip, you bring your uniforms, your equipment, your balls, whatever. Men's soccer has a bag of our journals. Everybody has their own personal journal. And sometimes journals are really simple. Like, you know, we usually do two a week during practice, and then we either do a reflective journal after the game or one before. I never overload them with both because then you're journaling four times on the weekend. It just becomes too much. Sometimes it's like, what are your three goals for today? But sometimes it's like, what was the most painful moment in your life? So sometimes we dig deep. And um, we ask our players who wants to share at the end of the journaling. So we practice at 630 in the morning, which I love because it's like us against the world, silent, peaceful, no social media, your phone's not going, right? Like nothing like that, you know, like, and uh, um, more and more guys feel comfortable sharing. And you'll see our veterans be a lot more comfortable sharing and set the standard with what are the things I'm afraid of? What are the things I'm, I aspire to be? Um, who's my hero in life? Uh, you know, when did I feel let down? How can I help pick each other up? Those things are kind of what laid the foundation for our culture. And those are the things during the pandemic with, that I've, that we've missed probably as a culture is those moments, you know, and, and, uh, cause that was our momentum. We had like a, tidal wave of, of positive momentum off the field. And I think our guys are kind of clamoring and craving that right now. The one thing that I, I absolutely love is how many it, um, opportunities you allow the players to have where they get to just kind of let emotions out or feelings or um, almost like decisions or react. Like you said, how do we react to an obstacle, like it's going to occur in a game, if it, a ref call or a hard foul by the other team or something, how do we react? And I think it's a, it's important, it sounds like, that if they have already gone through and thought about it, then you have a better idea of when the actual thing occurs, um, what to deal with. And I think the other thing that's so cool that's making me think, like with my high school group, is finding ways for kids to communicate or players to communicate um, you know, cause a lot of them aren't big on talking on the phone or, and even it's hard, even with the text is you lose the emotion and, 
and whatever. Do, do you read the players' journals or is it kind of their thing? And then if they're comfortable, they present it and that's their opportunity to- oh, we have a, we have, we have a we have a sticker system, um, you know, you know, thank God for my wife. Uh, she went to the, when I, when I got all the journals, I'm like, I, I thought, oh man, how am I gonna? So we just have green, I can read their journal at any time. Uh, yellow, I have to ask, red, no, no reading. So um, they keep it on the outside of their journal. The stickers are in our journal bag. So anytime we went too deep and the guy doesn't want us reading theirs, that's okay. Um, <clears throat> when there is a red sticker, you know, I, I, make, I make note of that because that means we went somewhere that is probably somewhere that, you know, this person either needs to bury deeper or needs to, we need to untie that knot eventually. Um, and, uh, but, you know, if we're having success, players will feel comfortable sharing their, 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 you know, moments, you know, I've, I've shared my most vulnerable moments with my teammates, uh, as a staff, I share them as a, as a, as a teammate, I was always an open book when I was a player and now as a coach. So, you know, it's, uh, I think that, that, that helps you go to a level. If you know someone like truly know someone you're going to, you're willing to cover for them. You're willing to make that run back. You're willing to, you know, to be a little bit of an understanding when the mistake happens in a game, you know, when they're a person, if you just look at them as the guy who plays attacking mid and he didn't get you the ball, then maybe you're going to get frustrated. But if you're looking at it as a human being and teammate that didn't, maybe you understand he's a human just like you and you got to work through it and you got to find a way to be better next time. So. It sounds like too, that you do a lot of reading yourself, a lot of self-reflecting um, and learning about all these different types of things. What kind of, what spurred you into, have you always been kind of drawn to this type of thing and like bettering yourself and and like, yeah. I don't want to say self-help books, but yeah. like culture yeah. building and just like team and all this type of stuff. Yeah, I think that um, like I, I, was a, I was a psych major. I started off as a psych major. So people always, uh people fascinate me and then being a youth coach or youth soccer coach like different ways to bring the best out in people have always made me really think and then you know i always say that <clears throat> coaching at a university level and college level teaches me a lot of how to approach youth but coaching youth teaches you a lot about how to approach what we think are like men but are really just older kids like you know if you we with you and i reflect back to what we were like when we were 18 19 20 <clears throat> exactly right we have a good laugh about ourselves yes, and yes. uh so we got to remember that we have to remember that that's who we're dealing with so try to be mindful of that but yeah it's always i'm always passionate probably because i made mistakes in my life or or gotten into uh gone down roads that I felt like I was the worst version of myself or I let anger get a hold of me or negativity or whatever. And, and, uh, <clears throat> I wanted to work through that. And, and uh, I think everybody still does, but, you know, I think about, you know, putting people in that peak performance mindset or environment, how much more positive, you know, uh, of an outcome we could have. So the other thing was, so a couple weeks ago, I talked with your brother who is the women's head coach. Um, what's the dynamic been having your brother as the, you know, the other coach of the other soccer program at, at, at for the Lancers? 
I mean, it's, um, I wouldn't want it. I mean, I wouldn't want it any other way, you know, uh, I love it. Like to the dream of doing this with your family is, uh, is it's awesome. You know, I, I wouldn't, uh, it would take quite the opportunity to, to, to change this. Um, you know, he might not always like, uh, I'm a little bit more lighthearted and less serious than he is. So, you know, I'll, I'll have a good, I'll have a good laugh sometimes, or I'll be joking, but to be able to go up and down on the travel on the bus and have him sit across from me in the, in the front seat, is pretty cool. Um, yeah, I can't say enough how, how cool it is to, because with our busy lives, that's a lot of the time we get together, right? Like he, he's got a one-year-old daughter, I have a one-year-old niece, you know, and, uh, and, and I, my wife's expecting in a month. Uh, so I'm expecting a little bit, little baby girl as well. So life gets busy, you know, and, uh, yeah, the opportunity to grow closer is really cool um, and work together. I think we've really worked at growing the programs together and um, collaborate whenever we can and really do things like, I know we talked about the fundraiser for the scholarship for before, um, our community involvement, we try to link together, um, even now getting to the point of like culture building and uh, um, alumni relations, tactical stuff, like things that we can do together, wherever we can collaborate and be efficient with our resources. We, we, we try to, and we want, again, we want the men and women to feel like they're not just part of a team, right? You're part of a program. That's part of an athletic department. That's part of a institution. Like you have to be more, it has to be more than just what's on the field. So the starting point that's for us, the easy partner is the women, you know, the women's team. And then we work from there. Right. And if we, build culture in the same way and we build tactics in a similar way and we're all speaking the same language, then that's going to make us more proud of who we are. Right. So, um, but yeah, I, I can't say enough how much family means to me and the opportunity to know that no matter how busy we get, I get to spend the weekends in the fall with my brother. You know, it's amazing. The, the cool thing was too, when you started putting your like three-step process out there, I'm pretty sure that's the identical same thing that Daniel shared with yeah. me or very similar of like, what it's is the exact same thing? I won't, I won't take credit. I won't, I won't, I won't, uh, I won't take credit for it. I'll let him, I'll let him give me credit for it. But yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of cultural stuff that, like I said, him and I collaborate on, get to collaborate on. Um, so we're able to refine it. So for example, if I started something and, and we start going back and forth, you know, uh, opportunity to create, create magic that way. Has this always been, uh, kind of your relationship or has this kind of evolved through like going into coaching and now that you've got family and like, and it's growing and you're becoming parents and all that, has that kind of made it or as kids, were you the same way? No, I think the, we had three, three brothers, uh, we have the youngest brother, Alex, who, 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 may be the best coach of us all. He's in coaching in soccer. Um, I, to be honest, like I'm probably, if I were to rate us as coaches, I'd probably be third. <laughs> um, I probably have a, a really deep understanding of, of, or deep passion. I don't want to say understanding because I don't know if anybody can ever understand people, but a deep passion for understanding people. And I think that Daniel is probably deep understanding of tactics, like loves that part of the game. And Alex has a 
the youngest brother probably has both. So he's not at full-time in soccer, but it's funny that I'm probably, I'm the one who's full-time in football and uh, you know, that's, that's a blessing. I'm really grateful for, for the opportunity. And uh, you know um, it's, it's really cool. Uh, but yeah, like uh, I know Daniel touched on it over three years ago, we lost our father, um, you know, suddenly. And, and so families become even more important to us. Um, you know, maybe four years ago, I maybe thought about leaving the Windsor area uh, and pursuing soccer elsewhere, you know, and um, that moment, that moment probably changed everything for me. I, I don't think me being the oldest, I, I just think I would never want to leave my, leave my mom. So uh, I always want to be here for her. So, um, you know, six months after my dad passed this, this job, fell into my lap. And all of a sudden now I have the opportunity to, instead of just being a club coach, trying to make a go of life to be able to between club and this have a career in footy and, and uh, you know, uh, had met my wife and, you know, get married and start a family and, you know, things kind of work out in a magical way. And like I said, if, if uh, somebody tried to tell me that, you know, my dad from up there didn't get me this job, uh, you know, that we'd have, we'd have a, we'd have to have a big argument and I'm not a religious guy. I just think that sometimes things work out a certain way. And um, yeah. So the freedom to do that and, and uh, work with our family. And now my mom gets to come to every game because uh, we play the women play before the men. So she's able to come and catch both of our games and, you know, our wives get to come and be there and our kids will get to come and be there and, you know, together, keeping that family together is, is, um, uh, is huge so with uh what would the dynamic be if the three of you were on the same staff do you think that would work or is it too much of like uh no so uh yeah <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm gonna say that for me it'd be no problem like i'm i'm willing to pick up cones and put down cones for anyone daniel's the middle child so he's the most sensitive so um so, uh, uh, you know, we got to, uh, he'd have to be the head coach because I don't think it'd work. It only could work if I was the head coach. So I would just be, uh, I'd be the guy whose job to keep everybody happy. And I'd let Daniel and Alex, uh, work things out. Yeah. I think, uh, no, I think it'd be quite, quite an, it'd be, it'd be a dream, um, Kieran, honestly. Um, but, uh, in saying that, you know, I'll say that the one thing that makes the men's program great right now is the staff I have. Uh, um, we talked a lot about like knowing your weaknesses and stuff and, and uh, you know, taking on people and the staff uh, through James, through Shane, through Kyle, through our training staff is able to make my job very easy. So, uh, you know, James breakdown of tactical analysis of ours and the opponents uh, feels, you know, that's what he's passionate about. Shane links technical ability to physiology. He kind of has the ability to be a trainer and stuff like that. Kyle works with our goalkeepers, bringing on latent species price to work on our attackers. So I'm lucky I have a phenomenal staff, you know? Um, so I'm good and it kind of makes my job easy. I just have to be okay. I just have to not screw it up. That's kind of my, my role. My <laughs> role. Get in but, the way, but yeah, I, I always I always said that I'd love to coach with Daniel one day uh, in, some, in some form one day, I think we will. But, you know, for right now, it's, it's, uh, this is great because um, the coach who, oh, and the director of soccer before us, Steve Hart, there was uh, Steve Anini coach for a year in the men's program before, but Steve Hart's 
kind of left his legacy on the program, took Windsor from a very small um, OUA soccer wasn't huge. You know, I'd say more comparable with like a smaller NAIA school to now I'd say is getting bigger. Like a, I'd be more comparable to like a D2. Like we go and we go play against D1 schools, you know, like mid-majors and stuff. Um, uh, he took it to a, a new level and laid the groundwork for us. And now it's, you know, with, you know, my brother and I to try to take this program from good to great and make the gains and gaps in where we are. I think we finish, you know, middle of the pack all too often. I think we want to see ourselves during the, you know, in the top three of the conference more often than, than not, instead of just like once a cycle, we want to be there on a regular basis. So. And for you to get there, you said the one thing you've mentioned is now we have to learn that next level of what competitiveness looks like. Is that just through like, increased intensity and in training or is that just playing better more like a maybe a stronger uh schedule even though it sounds like you're playing some quality teams that are at a high level um, yeah. how, do you, how do you build in that competitiveness that ability because i even learned it this year like it's great to be in games but there's a different level of mentality that it takes to actually get the results yeah so i think for us you know I, we got to reflect and look at how we got all all the things in that you wanted to already. So how did you get in the love and vulnerability and everything in our program? We layered it in with consistency and behavior, consistency and in, in uh, tr tr translating those values into actions. So if compete level is now going to be one of our values, and it is as we work through our, our, our mentality, that's kind of where we are now. It's just what was happening before is competitiveness was getting jammed into a broken culture. And that's when you get too much of like infighting right now, when a teammate goes at confront somebody, they can do it in a way that is honest. And there's a like player will receive that. So an honest compete level at training has to become a habit. Now um, winning has to be, you know, um, something we, we, we want. I'll give you an example of an internal conflict right now. So, you know, in practice, most, most, most teams have the losers run. We're going to play four V four losers, do some sprints, but our leaders in year one instituted the policy that if one person runs, we all run. So now we're at this, like, uh, you know, uh, catch 22 of like, well, now everybody's running. So now there's no point in the losers running, but what, uh, what, what, what James and I, the assistant got into a conversation is, is it's not about the running, it's about the desire to win and constantly making things a competition in our everyday. And just little things like burpees or like little things that, that, that make things a competition is where we're going. Um, stealing some stuff from, you know, Anson Durant with his competitive cauldrons and stuff in a little way. I think also it takes bringing in people that have that competition level. Some people are in a different place when they train, right? Great people, greatness, like and great players are, you know? So I think creating an environment where it's okay to be like that and showing people it is the same way we showed people it was okay to be vulnerable, right? So it's okay to win and it's okay. And that starts from the top, right? So like last week I did a calculation. There's like 185 days till, till, till season. So I, I got up at, at 6.30 in the morning and I went for a run and I sent a video out to the players kind of calling them out. 
saying I'm up before seven going for a run. You guys are sleeping. What are you doing? And uh, then throughout the week, all of a sudden our guys started taking the rain going up, you know, cause we were, we were doing that fundraiser, but so it kind of needs to, sometimes you got to lead by example and you got to show guys where before it was the, the example of vulnerability that I had to maybe show to spur to show them it's okay in a, you know, in a quiet way, not being like, it's okay to show them, but like slowly, right. Instead of me telling them on Sunday night to go for a run tomorrow, I didn't need to do that. I just needed to post a video of myself, you know, out of shape and overweight going for a run while they're sleeping. And the first thing they wake up to in our WhatsApp group chat is coach was out for a run this morning in the cold calling, basically calling us out saying there's 185 days still training and he's up running and we're doing nothing. Right. So yeah. Um, so it sounds like you have an awesome staff put together. Um, was that some like leftover from the previous regime or is that something that came about? Cause I'm, I'm assuming that you had similar conversations that you're having with the players, with them of like, Hey, here's how we need to like, here's my three-step kind of program <laughs> building. And here's like, we're not just rocking and rolling with the, the thing. And I think it's cool that you have guys that seem to um, compliment you really well. So you love the culture, you love building kids up and you're like all that. And, but you have a guy that's very like, he loves tactics and this one loves the technical and this, it sounds like a perfect mesh of coaches. And I know just listening to it and listening to what you're saying, that has to have not been a by accident. No, it, it, it really took, um, you know, even like we, we just added Layton, who was a former player and, 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 uh, you know, an all Canadian, like leading goal scorer back when I was an assistant and like, yeah, it, it was just by design because again, <clears throat> success leaves clues, you know, they, they say, and, and uh, just go look at every successful leader in the history of the world or, or every successful president or every successful leader of any team or organization, you got to know your weaknesses. The first things to do is self-evaluation. And, you know, I either have to be willing to fill a role or I have to go out and actually fill a role. So for, so if I'm not going to be, you know, I'll give you an example. I, I made, I made a decision my first two years, you know, I'm not going to be the rah, rah motivational guy before the game and at halftime, because at one point during the season, I might have to, to push us over the edge. But if I start giving those speeches frequently, it doesn't work. So we talked about it as a staff about how we're going to divide up these speeches. So again, I think as a leader, you have to be willing to fill a role or, or be okay with somebody else filling it. And I think a lot of times that's where people fail. They're not okay. Like before a big game away at Mac, James gave a phenomenal speech before our, our game. And, and, and uh, I don't know if any other head coaches if many others are okay with that. I don't know if, if when we are setting up a set piece another coach is really okay with assigning Kyle, who's our, who's our goalkeeper coach, having him work with on set pieces or having James work on attacking set pieces, you have to really be okay with that or else I got to do it. But if I'm not going to do it like a hundred percent, then it's got to be somebody else. I'll give you the, 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 the best example with me for me. Like I said, I'm a, I was a goalie. Goalies have something wrong with them, inherently wrong with them inside our head. There's no, there's no, so, so I never needed to 
like get hyped up before a game. I was always here. I needed to calm down. Mm-hmm. And so I used to joke around because I, at practice, I'd be the guy who was like going so hard that I needed a sense of humor and to, to make light of things. So, so I'm not the best guy to lead the warm up. That's why James and, and Shane lead our warm up. Shane's like, uh, not only is he a strength trainer by trait, but also phenomenal, phenomenal midfield player and very disciplined and can keep the guys in line. My job during the warm-up is to check on everybody mentally as a coach to kind of like bing pop into the session with our defenders that James doing. And, you know, are they, you know, are they, uh, you know, are, are there, is their head right? Then I go over to the goalkeepers, have a little conversation with them. Is there, make sure they're okay. That's my role. My role is not to get their body ready that we have professionals for that. My role is not to worry about injuries. We have professionals for that. But if you do all the planning before and everybody knows their, their role, then it makes that pretty simple. And I know that on the warm-up, during the warm-up, I'm not the best guy to be disciplined because as a habit, unless unless I'm going to change my temperament, that's not for me. I got guys who are disciplined and willing to do that. I'm going to go do what I'm doing and check in with the guys that I know are going to push us over the top today. Or maybe the player's gone distant. He wasn't vocal, as vocal as he was today on the bus. Man, what's up? This guy may be having a relationship issues. He's stressed about a class. What, what's going on? Usually he's the center of attention. He's quiet today. I'm going to pull him aside and have that little, you know, th- that, that, so that's my, that's my dynamic. That's what I, that's what I chose or that's what as a staff we decided was, was, was good, you know? So. I think it's so it's refreshing to hear because we do this with the players. They have certain roles and responsibilities within the, the, our playing style and our philosophy and, you know, positionally and what have you. And it's, I've never really thought about it is that as coaches, we're in the same spot. We have certain roles and responsibilities. And I think it's really cool that it, it's, it seems like it's very clear to your coaches that, Hey, here's the thing that I need from you in terms of this. Um, because I think a lot of times, like you kind of joked about picking up cones or anybody, but that sometimes ends up being, that's what the assistant coach does is they just pick up the cones the whole time, but they clearly with everything that you've shared throughout this conversation is everyone's got some type of strength that they can bring to the table and you are open enough to like, Hey, I'm going to allow James to bring what he is very good at. And I'm going to let that rock and roll and I'm going to stay the heck out of the way. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's crucial. And, and um, you know, you go to picking up cones. One thing we got, like, the second thing after the book club, we got rid of, I got rid of rookie duties with our program. Mm-hmm. Um, that was advice from from Nate Norman. I don't know if you know him. He used to coach at Western Mish. Now he coaches the women at uh, you know, Notre Dame. And I took that straight from him that there was, I didn't need rookie duties. I just needed guys, I just needed this to be done. So I don't, I don't care how it's divvied up. The whole point is, sometimes everybody's got to pick up cones, you know, and, and sometimes everybody's got to pick up this and nobody's bigger than, than anything. If, if there's water bottles need to be picked up, we pick them up. If, like, that's just what we do. We just don't leave it, you know? Um, and that was reinforced kind of by the sweep the sheds, uh, you know, Monteith in the, in the book about the all blacks, but uh, yeah, for us, um, you know, never too big or too small, you know, if it's, if, if, if somebody else can do it better. And, and I think that's, yeah, it comes down to knowing your strengths and weaknesses, you know, and being okay with that, you know, and um, knowing that at this point, you know, like I think Daniel referenced, like, yeah, there's some times where I'll even bring him in for tactical stuff. Cause I know that 
maybe I'm too close. Like I need vision. I need people who are a little bit removed, you know? And I think that's, uh, it's tough. I also, I'm a bit of a perfectionist when it comes to that. So sometimes I'll spend so much time dwelling on little things, little minutiae that, uh, that it'll stress me out. Like if, uh, I sometimes I'll need to lock myself in a room to, to work through how we're going to approach a game once I have all the information. So <laughs> I want to get it. I just want to get it right. Right. Like if a formation or a tactics aren't adding up right going into the weekend, it'll drive me crazy. There'll be no sleep going into the weekend. You know, but once I figure it out, I can sleep like a baby. So that's one of those uh, bonuses of having your brother in the mix is when you do kind of hit that wall of you're like, okay, I'm just banging my head right now and not making progress i i feel like i'm missing something he can sometimes shine a light on it because he's kind of outside of yeah that's it's it's been beneficial on it and i think he's used myself and our and our staff in the same way right like because we because we travel together and we see each other play you know and i'd even say more so with like off the field situations dynamics between athletes hey guys here's what's going on with with with, with my team this kind of came up and we kind of work together as a staff and I hope we can continue to do that and integrate that more and more because we give the perspective. Well, like, well, here's how it looks outside. So maybe, yeah, maybe that is a problem. Maybe you don't see it from inside, but here's how it looks from afar. So I think that's, uh, you know, that's big. Ryan, this conversation has been awesome. I've enjoyed talking with your brother and you. The stuff you guys are sharing is like so awesome. And I can't, I'm super excited to see how Windsor on both the men's and women's side continues to grow uh over the next few years because it sounds like you've got like the foundation is there and now it's just about getting you know maybe a little bit more quality and just more like you said maybe not just that but just the recognition of what it's going to take to get your team up, up above into that first second third kind of level yeah, yeah we've uh like i said first year we lost in a shootout in the playoffs which never a, an enjoyable thing last year we lost in the 120th minute penalty called in the in the last 30 seconds of extra time nobody likes that uh it's two years ago i still haven't let that call go yeah even though, even though we're supposed to like, right only call? focus on the controllables yeah that's right go. yeah that, yeah it, uh, focus on the controllables until it gets <laughs> into the playoffs so yeah so as men we you know and i and I, I really think we overachieved last year so uh you know it was good for us to be in that environment but yeah, the most telltale sign of where the program's going is that, you know, our seniors weren't sad. They were happy for the direction the program's going when they left after their last game. Like, yeah, everybody was sad they lost, but when they spoke to the team on the bus on the way home, it tells a lot about what they gave and what they believe in and what they bought into, where it's going. We brought in some of the best recruits we've ever brought in last year in 2020, didn't get to see them on the field, but we've been able to prepare them we're bringing in one hell of a class in 21. Uh, yeah, um, it's up to me to screw it up. Uh, we got the right players in place. We got the right staff and we got the right momentum. So if I can keep uh, steering the ship and guiding the ship down the, down the canal, we'll do just fine. And uh, yeah, just super grateful. The department continues to support myself and this you know long-term vision for the program. And uh, the city is you know, the Windsor and the soccer community in general supports us. So that's so, that's so awesome. Uh, like I said, I've I thoroughly enjoyed this discussion uh, and chat. If people want to kind of follow up and follow 
you touch base with you, maybe some questions about some of the culture building things you've shared or just to follow um, your team and what have you. What's some ways that they can connect with you? Uh, yeah, you can like, uh, you can share my email. It's just, you know, ryan.mendonce at uwinsor.ca. And then it's coachmendonce on Twitter, on Instagram and like Lancer Soccer, you know, give us a follow. We're always uh, doing something out there on social media. So you can go ahead and share those, uh, share those when you, you know, when, when you send it out and yeah, feel free to get in touch. I love talking about this stuff all day. I can talk about it all day. So. Well, I appreciate it, Ryan. I'm going to shut this thing down. This is Coach's Corners Chats, and this is Karen with Ryan Mendonca, and I'm out. Peace. So, yeah, thanks. What a great chat. Thanks for checking it out. If you haven't done so already, follow us on Twitter at Coaches Let's Chat. Hit that subscribe button. And once again, if you get a chance, drop a review. It's super, super helpful for growing the podcast. Have a good one. Peace.